We did have an amazing interview. I have to tell you, she sent me the questions late last night that she wanted to pursue. I was so impressed. The questions are really great. They were very thoughtful questions. They pointed to someone who is a thinker and someone who is reaching for, you know, the spiritual ground you and I have talked about and worked on. She comes out from that ground, the, the, the ground of self-inquiry. This is the perfect way to start your day, start your business, start your life, change your mentality, understand where your powerfulness comes from. She can help you get there. She gives great advice. She has so much wisdom, so much that you can learn from her. I feel more powerful, in control, and more creative after listening to Sabrina's podcast. I wish I were creating this podcast. Hey there. To kick off my brand new Success to Sabrina podcast, we're giving away an awesome prize, a Bose earbud. To get a chance to win this prize, all you have to do is go to www.timestrategic.com and follow the three simple steps. Subscribe to the Success with Sabrina podcast, which is all about winning in business. This podcast is definitely for you if you sometimes feel frustrated, overwhelmed, and if you feel that there's something holding you back. Now, to give yourself an even better chance to win this prize, all you have to do is share the Facebook post link that you'll be receiving on your email with your friends. Every time you share, you get more points. And the more points you have, the better chance of winning. And you'll be helping other business owners to regain control of their business. I bet you are already thinking of some business owners you know who would love to go from frustrated and overwhelmed to confident and in control of their business. Go ahead and share the Facebook post with them right now. Thanks for listening, for subscribing to the Success with Sabrina podcast, for giving me an honest five-star review, and for sharing it with your friends. Welcome to Success with Sabrina podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Stefan Leipold, and he's sharing such amazing information on how to secure our internet, how to make our companies safer, and even our profiles, like our social media, all of the different things that we should be doing on our personal and business to be able to be safe from hackers and the dark web. So I divided this episode into two episodes so that you're able to hear everything that he has to share, which is really valuable information. So uh, there you go. We're going to begin the episode number one now, and then you can uh, join in and tune in later to listen to episode number two. Then you get all of it. So thank you for listening and stay tuned. Today, we're honored to have the presence of Stefan Leipold. He is the man of the year by Leukemia Lymphoma Society of America. He's a philanthropist since 2013. He has been an internationally recognized cybersecurity specialist since 2003. He is the founder of ProCisco IT Support and Stark Magnetic Private Screens. For more information on him and his businesses, please go to www.procisco.biz. And you can also check out the spelling of the website on the podcast description. All right, Stefan, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to cover all of this cybersecurity subject and dumb it down so that us business owners can actually apply some of the things that we're going to talk about here and create a safe and secure environment for our businesses and our clients and customers and our employees. So I know that this is a very hot topic right now, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to be here with us today. So thank you. Beautiful. Good morning, Sabrina. Yes, cybersecurity is probably the number one hot topic on the planet right now everywhere. Yes, so. Absolutely. Yes, and I know that you've been in this industry and you do a lot of speeches uh, for Microsoft and a lot of different companies out there. Uh, but if we let's start with the basics, shall we? <laughs> sure. So, what is cybersecurity? I mean, I think cybersecurity is the technology or the term used for the technology to secure uh, personal or corporate or, in general, any business infrastructure against, I would say, unwanted threats that somebody basically breaches your your companies or your personal environment and steals information and use them against you or just monetary reason. Yes. 
And I know that there has been a lot of threats lately happening to businesses here in America. Um, do you feel like this number is increasing throughout the years? Yes, it is. You look at around about 3,000 uh, new viruses and attacks a day. Um, because it's also like, uh, when you look at the recent attacks in the United States and Europe, so the, the people that attacked these corporations were very successful. So now that have generated a lot of payments and ransom. So that basically means the small guy, the script kiddies, whoever wants to be a hacker, they actually take the code, change it a little bit and jumping on the same train. So uh, because it's a monetary background, so everybody wants to make money by basically scamming people over. Wow, that's so crazy. And you know, and my question is, since we are aware that these attacks have increased, my question is, has what businesses and individuals been doing to protect themselves from is directly proportionally increased also? Or do you feel like people are still not taking the action that they should? Um, the sad part, honestly, is the mindset in the United States is different than the mindset in Europe. So in Europe, corporations are very, um, I would say, preventive. And what needs to be done needs to be done and the money will be made available. In the United States, the day-by-day challenge we have is it's not broken why fix it corporations that literally got hacked are still using software that is 13 years old and uh, we are advisors we we we're not um i would say doing parenting so if we tell a client your software is 13 years old you need to update and they don't want to invest the money then sadly they, they set themselves up for another security breach and uh, you can only advise the client that your password like one two three uh, AAA is not a safe password to have on the server that is internet facing. And uh, yeah, clients don't see it. The, the, the matter is only important when it happened and after a week, it's gone out of the memory. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not front and center anymore, right? And that's why we're here today talking about this. Um, and so let's understand something. What about measures like encryption? What does that even mean? Uh, Every single person, I had a call with Verizon uh, um, two days ago on Monday because uh, every single individual that uses a public Wi-Fi or any kind of internet to transmit data, it doesn't matter if it's email, you're browsing something, you, you're sending an attachment, whatever it is, it should be encrypted. Encrypting means nothing else than making it unreadable for another person and the receiver has a virtual key to reverse the encryption to make it readable. So if you don't use any encryption in a public location, then um, people might be on the same network at the Starbucks or coffee place and be stealing your information. And I was suggesting to, Vi- uh, to Verizon that they're going to update the software in their uh, modems that you deliver to homes because uh, there's millions and millions of homes using internet modems and they have not the, the possibility, the function to one-click enable encryption. It just doesn't exist. It only exists for corporations. And I think it doesn't matter if you're a corporate or an individual, you have a personality, an identity, you have personal data to lose, and uh, it hurts every single person if your, your data is being held for ransom and you have to pay. So it doesn't matter who you are, you should have an encryption and VPN. Especially when it comes to big companies like that, right? So that's mm-hmm. crazy to know that, that these are not part of their policies and set in place as of yet. Uh, but for a, a business, let's say a mid, small, mid-sized business, if they wanted to create some kind of encryption, what would that look like and how much would it cost, I guess? It That's would be, there's two ways to do it. So, I mean, I'm in IT, so I take my personal data, same as important as my corporate and client's data. So I have two ways that I use it. On my mobile devices, it doesn't matter if it's a laptop or a tablet or an iPhone or whatever we use, uh, we have a software because we East Coast provider for Avast. So we have something that's called Secure Line. That means if I'm in a public place, I enable a VPN, I encrypt all the data that I'm using. And so I'm basically creating an encrypted tunnel through the internet from point A to point B. And it's it's roughly 60 bucks a year. On my personal side, I purchased a $1,000 firewall, which actually does all this stuff for me. So if I'm traveling somewhere and I need to get access to some data, in my home office or wherever, I connect first to the firewall, I encrypt all the data, and then I actually connect to my local machines. Well, you just answered my next question because my next question had to do with VPN. Um, and you're already clarified that it's important for businesses and individuals. Uh, but what is VPN for those of us that don't know what that is? 
VPN stands for virtual private network. If you if you take visually, uh, you take a phone or any internet connected device, and you you're working in, in an airport or any public place, and you're going to connect to your corporation. If I use the public Wi-Fi from the airport, everybody who's connected to the airport probably is on the same network than you, so you can actually monitor what you're doing. So when you connect to your corporation and you transmit data back and forth and you don't have an encryption that's transmitted in plain text, you will be able to see these data and somebody can capture it, like the packages, the data packages flying around our heads everywhere. So if you connect to the same Wi-Fi and you connect a VPN connection, you establish an encrypted channel between you and your corporation or your home, everything you do is encrypted. It's basically hidden. It's a direct pipeline to your destination. Wow, that sounds like so important to do. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, we've heard a lot about spamming. We all hate spam, right? Uh, but right. what does spamming has to do with cybersecurity? I mean, in general, so what I always tell on my speech is you can't put an antivirus or firewall in a human being's head. So the education of the person who operates the computer is the most important key in cybersecurity. So... In order to, to breach a system, you need to have an individual that makes a mistake. It can be that you make a mistake in coding or you, you double-click something. So uh, a lot of viruses, ransomware, et cetera, they will send you an email. And the email contained, it can be a purple-colored handbag. It could also be a an, an resume. It could be a Word document, and it contained uh, an attachment. So the spam comes in and says, hey, this bill needs to be paid, or here's my resume, or the information you requested. We all know the, the Apple emails, your account has been blocked, your Microsoft Outlook account, and stuff like that. So if you click on this particular spam, then you and expose yourself to vulnerabilities. The same thing is, and it, it sounds ridiculous, but it's really true, and it still happens these days. Uh, people get spam. Uh, a client of ours uh, was twice on my public speeches, and she called me two days ago, and she said, uh, I'm going to the CVS and I'm buying credit cards right now uh, to pay Apple. I was like, to do what exactly? So I got this email that says my system has been breached. She clicked the number, granted the people from Apple access to the computer, and then they actually sent her to CVS to buy prepaid credit cards and pay her some ransom. And I was like, seriously, Apple will never call you to go to CVS. And so when you get spam mails and you're not aware that it is a scam, you might expose yourself to ransomware, spyware, viruses, phishing emails. So there's a lot of different kinds of harmful software. But yes, I mean, situation awareness is the key on that. Yeah. And, and a lot of companies, like even the RS has put disclaimers on their website, right? Like we would never ask you for this type of information. So if right. someone asks you, you shouldn't be answering um, but, you know, I mean, obviously we can't be accessing all those websites and informing ourselves um, of that. So then that's when, like you mentioned, common sense would kick in and be like, well, do you really need to give all this information that people are asking at all times, right? And right. not being so impulsive in answering whatever question is being asked and things like that. So common sense, guys, that's really key, uh, which is hard to teach people, right? I guess that's why it's so difficult for businesses, you know, to in, to really like teach their employees and, and and how to really protect themselves. And that's why it keeps happening. So we need to understand this more, guys. We really need to get this conversation started and talk more about it. So Stefan does such an important job out there, really spreading the word and doing all of the speeches that he does. And understanding is going to help us to be more aware and hopefully have the common sense at the right time, in the right place, right? Not to, to take the wrong action. So is there a difference between virus and malware, for instance? Um, yes, a virus uh, in most of the times is something that affects your computer. It might delete files, encrypt files, uh, um, just spy on you. And, and malware is, is a different breed. So the new software uh, protection from whatever antivirus vendors, most of them in the professional version compared to the free version, including malware scams already. And um, malware itself is usually spying on you, your behavior, what you're doing, browsing behavior. And uh, a virus is usually, as it says, something more harmful to your system. I see. So uh, malware is going to stay there unless it, get, it gets removed once right. it's entered in a way. Okay. And what is ransomware? Like we heard on the news recently in Florida, there was another ransomware. So right. for people that don't know what that means, it's a new term, I guess, that comes with um, the challenges of technology and 
I mean, ransomware is around for uh, a long time already, uh, just not as successful as it is right now. So I will not name the number one successful ransomware hacker group because I don't want to promote them. But ransomware, what it does is um, it finds a way into your system. The recent attacks all over the world have been coming from cloud storage. So people were saying like, oh, let's move everything to the cloud. And in this case, the cloud got hacked and um, spread over the cloud. And so uh, thousands of companies have been affected. So ransomware gets into your system, encrypts everything, and leaves you one document that says, basically, we have your software. It's all encrypted. You want to have your data back. Um, then send us money via Bitcoin or other ways, and we give you a key to decrypt your software. So on one end, yes, uh, they are honest crooks. They will give you the key to de get your data back for one particular reason. You will spread the word that you get your data back, and so the bad guys look legit and they want more money, so more people are willing to pay. We work with law enforcement on these kind of cases, and it's highly not recommended to pay because A, you don't know where the people are, and B, if you pay ransom, then it might be going to be used for terrorism in the back end. So you don't want to fund terrorists uh, with money. So the best case scenario is having IT corporations securing your data, having offline data backups. Most of the people don't really care about the infrastructure. They go on Craigslist, get a guy that is not certified, not verified, let them do whatever it is as long as it's cheap. And then once stuff happened, everybody is basically panicking and people pay because they have invested in the wrong person to secure the infrastructure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's a difficult situation then. And, and so the best way really is to do the preventive work, right? Right. And, and to it's like your house. You, you can best have the best alarm system in the world. If you leave the door open, it's useless. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> is that simply put or what, guys? <laughs> but yeah, but how much does it cost for a company to implement data protection? I would say it depends on the size of the company. Let's say you want to start with the basics, what I tell people all the time. Um, you need to have a firewall. A firewall needs to be always up to date and have a subscription model. It's called unified threat management. So the you pay amount X per year, depending on how many users you have and uh, the speed, et cetera. But let's evaluate $1,000 for the firewall and $300 to $400 a year. So then I always recommend to have an active, up-to-date subscription for, with a professional antivirus because a professional antivirus does five to six things at the same time. The free one does only one thing. It's passive scanning your system. So if you're already infected, then it's already too late. Um, and then obviously enforce very strict policies that cost you nothing. If somebody works in your corporation or as a corporate device that he takes home, it's used for corporate business only. It's not for you to read your Gmail, browsing, playing games online, whatever. So have straight, uh, straight and strict policies and implement passwords that are very secure and have them change on, on a periodic basis and make sure that people do not talk about their passwords and their usernames to other people. So a lot of time is also education. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Stefan, I know that you are you were nominated the the Man of the Year by the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and that you're heavily involved with cancer and with children and fighting. Um, and are there any nonprofit organizations that can help with cybersecurity that you're aware of? Um, I'm not aware of them. I I do know that most of the uh, corporations we don't donate to. Um, they, they have IT staff and a lot of IT corporations like I do help nonprofit corporations to secure their environment. So our services is not of charge, but of course the equipment uh, they have to purchase themselves. But uh, I don't think there is a nonprofit cybersecurity organization. Okay. And is there, obviously, if you have Windows or Mac, then the firewall would be different for this, uh, for these. Um, no, it is not based on platform. It's based on on, on data. So there's there's it's too technical, but um, based on it's called an OSI model. So data comes in on layer two or layer three. That's what it's called. And uh, so the data needs to be scanned on a networking level and maybe later on an application level when you see what you do. But the firewall itself is supposed to be blocking threats from outside. If somebody from Eastern Europe tries to hack your firewall and their IP address is already known to the security provider will block it. Or if somebody sends an email attachment and you have content filtering and the virus in this email is already known, the firewall will take it out. So uh, it doesn't really matter. It's, ba it's based on signatures. I guess the reason why I'm going there is because we've heard in the past that Apple computers are safe 
more say, I guess. Is that like a myth or what? Um, if, if it would be the case, uh, why, why does corporations invest money to create antivirus for, for Apple? Apple is, if you could look at the global amount of computers, right? Microsoft probably owns 95% of the global market of computers. Mm -hmm. So if you would be after money and you plan to rent some virus, would you go after 5% or after 90 or 95? Mm -hmm. So uh, you go after the big boys. If you just, uh, my grandfather used to say every day, a dumb person gets up, you just have to find them. So if you go by the 95% and you hope that one person clicks on your virus, then it's a big 95% if you only go after 5%. So, but Apple does have viruses. We have uh, uh, quite some, some calls with people that had infected computers over the last 10 years, so it does exist. All right. Um, so jumping to something different now, um, I want to talk about pseudominization. Um, mm -hmm. What would pseudominization do to your business? Um, it was, it was implemented, or it, it came a little bit, I think, from Europe, from the GDPR, because uh, we need to understand in, in the beginning that uh, Europe is probably 20 years ahead of the United States when it comes to data protection. So the United States laws, I think, from 1978, and of course, our technology hasn't changed at all. Now, of course it did, but uh, we just too slow to catch up back to, to what I said, it's not broken, don't fix it. And so pseudonymization, there's anonymization, which basically means you hide everything. Pseudonymization is you take out, out of the chain of information certain certain information to not uh, be able to create a pattern of a person to, 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 to remove the likelihood of identifying information. So for my corporation, it just means that we, we do our living best to bring up corporations to, to new technology standards. In Europe, uh, my, my offices in Europe, they, they work very closely with all the corporations and they're all up to pair because it's enforced by law. In the United States, we don't have a law, we have compliances and the compliances are usually not enforced. If you have customer's information, you have to have either PCI or HIPAA compliance and this kind of stuff is there, but honestly, nobody really cares about it. So it's really sad because um, loss of data costs billions of dollars every year. Yeah, and just imagine all the harmful uh effects that it has on people's lives, right? And that's, that's really crazy to hear all of that. And especially what I love is that you do business in so many different countries, so you're aware of the differences between Europe and in U.S. And that brings another perspective, you know, to us listening here. Um, why should businesses and business owners worry about information security then in the U.S. if it's not enforced by law, but it's um, really a compliance issue? I always answer this question in two ways. When I ask, because every business owner is also a private person, right? So when I ask them, uh, do you have any information that, a simple thing like people don't have a privacy screen. They work in public, they're corporate owners, but they don't have a privacy screen. So when I ask them, they said, I have nothing to hide. And my answer to that is nothing to hide in dates of uh, times of cybersecurity is like have nothing to say in times of freedom of speech. So the people that, handle their own infrastructure like I have nothing to, to hide, go to work with the same mindset, and then it's when, when, when stuff like this happens that people get hacked. And I think businesses should be aware that even if it's not enforced, you have something to lose. And if you look at the worst case scenario, I'm not, if, I'm, if I'm a crazy person, I'm not even after your money. Maybe you're a CEO of a company, and if you're, you have a beautiful daughter, she's on Facebook, she's not aware on her Facebook and Instagram profile that I can create a blueprint and stalk her and kidnap her. Has happened. People have been murdered, kidnapped, ransomed. So uh, people should be very aware of what information they put out there and protect them. If I have, think about if I have your, your first name, last name, and your social, what can I do with this? I can ruin your credit score. I can create identifications on your name, et cetera. So people should be more aware. Yeah, so we're talking about identity fraud also. Right. So, for instance, if, if a credit card is cloned, let's say, you know, you go to a gas station and you're there just purchasing whatever, and out of a sudden your credit card is cloned. We hear it all the time. What can you do to protect yourself from it other than just monitor? And So, I mean, the first thing is, and that's very hard for the individual, uh, a credit card machine uh, the fakes of these credit card swiping machine uh, are very, very good. If, you, if you're not aware, and which the regular individual does not, 
know how the original machine and the copy looks and the differences, how they differentiate it, it's very hard and almost impossible. What I educate... We did have an amazing interview. I have to tell you, she sent me the questions late last night that she wanted to pursue. I was so impressed. The questions are really great. They were very thoughtful questions. They pointed to someone who is a thinker and someone who is reaching for, you know, the spiritual ground you and I have talked about and worked on. She comes out from that ground, the, the, the ground of self-inquiry. This is the perfect way to start your day, start your business, start your life, change your mentality, understand where your powerfulness comes from. She can help you get there. She gives great advice. She has so much wisdom, so much that you can learn from her. I feel more powerful, in control, and more creative after listening to Sabrina's podcast. I wish I were creating this podcast. Hey there. To kick off my brand new Success to Sabrina podcast, we're giving away an awesome prize, a Bose earbud. To get a chance to win this prize, all you have to do is go to www.timestrategic.com and follow the three simple steps. Subscribe to the Success with Sabrina podcast, which is all about winning in business. This podcast is definitely for you if you sometimes feel frustrated, overwhelmed, and if you feel that there's something holding you back. Now, to give yourself an even better chance to win this prize, all you have to do is share the Facebook post link that you'll be receiving on your email with your friends. Every time you share, you get more points. And the more points you have, the better chance of winning. And you'll be helping other business owners to regain control of their business. I bet you are already thinking of some business owners you know who would love to go from frustrated and overwhelmed to confident and in control of their business. Go ahead and share the Facebook post with them right now. Thanks for listening, for subscribing to the Success with Sabrina podcast, for giving me an honest five-star review, and for sharing it with your friends. Welcome to Success with Sabrina podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Stefan Leipold, and he's sharing such amazing information on how to secure our internet, how to make our companies safer, and even our profiles, like our social media, all of the different things that we should be doing on our personal and business to be able to be safe from hackers and the dark web. So I divided this episode into two episodes so that you're able to hear everything that he has to share, which is really valuable information. So uh, there you go. We're going to begin the episode number one now, and then you can uh, join in and tune in later to listen to episode number two. Then you get all of it. So thank you for listening and stay tuned. Today, we're honored to have the presence of Stefan Leipold. He is the man of the year by Leukemia Lymphoma Society of America. He's a philanthropist since 2013. He has been an internationally recognized cybersecurity specialist since 2003. He is the founder of ProCisco IT Support and Stark Magnetic Private Screens. For more information on him and his businesses, please go to www.prociscoviz. And you can also check out the spelling of the website on the podcast description. All right, Stefan, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to cover all of this cybersecurity subject and dumb it down so that us business owners can actually apply some of the things that we're going to talk about here and create a safe and secure environment for our businesses and our clients and customers and our employees. So I know that this is a very hot topic right now, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to be here with us today. So thank you. Beautiful. Good morning, Sabrina. Yes, cybersecurity is probably the number one hot topic on the planet right now everywhere. Yes, so. Absolutely. Yes, and I know that you've been in this industry and you do a lot of speeches uh, for Microsoft and a lot of different companies out there. Uh, but if we let's start with the basics, shall we? <laughs> sure. So, what is cybersecurity? I mean, I think cybersecurity is the technology or the term used for the technology to secure uh, personal or corporate or, in general, any business infrastructure against, I would say, unwanted threats that somebody basically breaches your 
your companies or your personal environment and steals information and uses them against you or just monetary reasons. Yes. And I know that there has been a lot of threats lately happening to businesses here in America. Um, do you feel like this number is increasing throughout the years? Yes, it is. You look at around about 3,000 uh, new viruses and attacks a day. Um, because it's also like, uh, when you look at the recent attacks in the United States and Europe, so the, the people that attacked these corporations were very successful. So now that have generated a lot of payments and ransom. So that basically means the small guy, the script kiddies, whoever wants to be a hacker, they actually take the code, change it a little bit and jumping on the same train. So uh, because it's a monetary background, so everybody wants to make money by basically scamming people over. Wow, that's so crazy. And you know, and my question is, since we are aware that these attacks have increased, my question is, has what businesses and individuals been doing to protect themselves from is directly proportionally increased also? Or do you feel like people are still not taking the action that they should? Um, the sad part, honestly, is the mindset in the United States is different than the mindset in Europe. So in Europe, corporations are very, um, I would say, preventive. And what needs to be done needs to be done and the money will be made available. In the United States, the day-by-day challenge we have is it's not broken why fix it corporations that literally got hacked are still using software that is 13 years old and uh, we are advisors we we we're not um i would say doing parenting so if we tell a client your software is 13 years old you need to update and they don't want to invest the money then sadly they, they set themselves up for another security breach and uh, you can only advise the client that your password like one two three uh, AAA is not a safe password to have on the server that is internet facing. And uh, yeah, clients don't see it. The, the, the matter is only important when it happened and after a week, it's gone out of the memory. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not front and center anymore, right? And that's why we're here today talking about this. Um, and so let's understand something. What about measures like encryption? What does that even mean? Uh, Every single person, I had a call with Verizon uh, um, two days ago on Monday because uh, every single individual that uses a public Wi-Fi or any kind of internet to transmit data, it doesn't matter if it's email, you're browsing something, you, you're sending an attachment, whatever it is, it should be encrypted. Encrypting means nothing else than making it unreadable for another person and the receiver has a virtual key to reverse the encryption to make it readable. So if you don't use any encryption in a public location, then um, people might be on the same network at the Starbucks or coffee place and be stealing your information. And I was suggesting to, Vi- uh, to Verizon that they're going to update the software in their uh, modems that you deliver to homes because uh, there's millions and millions of homes using internet modems and they have not the, the possibility, the function to one-click enable encryption. It just doesn't exist. It only exists for corporations. And I think it doesn't matter if you're a corporate or an individual, you have a personality, an identity, you have personal data to lose, and uh, it hurts every single person if your your data is being held for ransom and you have to pay. So it doesn't matter who you are, you should have an encryption and VPN. Especially when it comes to big companies like that, right? So that's Mm -hmm. crazy to know that, that these are not part of their policies and set in place as of yet. Um, but for a, a business, let's say a mid, small, mid-sized business, if they wanted to create some kind of encryption, what would that look like and how much would it cost, I guess? It would be, there's two ways to do it. So, I mean, I'm in IT, so I take my personal data, same as important as my corporate and client's data. So I have two ways that I use it. On my mobile devices, it doesn't matter if it's a laptop or a tablet or an iPhone or whatever we use, uh, we have a software because we East Coast provider for Avast. So we have something that's called Secure Line. That means if I'm in a public place, I enable a VPN, I encrypt all the data that I'm using. And so I'm basically creating an encrypted tunnel through the internet from point A to point B. And it's it's roughly 60 bucks a year. On my personal side, I purchased a $1,000 firewall, which actually does all this stuff for me. So if I'm traveling somewhere and I need to get access to some data, in my home office or wherever, I connect first to the firewall, I encrypt all the data, and then I actually connect to my local machines. Well, you just answered my next question because my next question had to do with VPN. Um, and you already clarified that it's important for businesses and individuals. 
Uh, but what is VPN for those of us that don't know what that is? VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. If you if you take visually, uh, you take a phone or any internet connected device and you, you're working in, in an airport or any public place and you're going to connect to your corporation. If I use the public Wi-Fi from the airport, everybody who's connected to the airport probably is on the same network than you, so you can actually monitor what you're doing. So when you connect to your corporation and you transmit data back and forth and you don't have an encryption that's transmitted in plain text, you will be able to see these data and somebody can capture it like the packages, the data packages flying around our heads everywhere. So if you connect to the same Wi-Fi and you connect a VPN connection, you establish an encrypted channel between you and your corporation or your home, everything you do is encrypted. It's basically hidden. It's a direct pipeline to your destination. Wow, that sounds like so important to do. It's amazing. Um, and, you know, we've heard a lot about spamming. We all hate spam, right? Uh, but right. what does spamming has to do with cybersecurity? I mean, in general, so what I always tell on my speeches, you can't put an antivirus or firewall in a human being's head. So the education of the person who operates the computer is the most important key in cybersecurity. So in order to, to breach a system, you need to have an individual that makes a mistake. It can be that you make a mistake in coding or you, you double-click something. So uh, a lot of viruses, ransomware, et cetera, they will send you an email. And the email contained, it can be a purple colored handbag. It could also be an, an resume. It could be a Word document and it contained uh, an attachment. So the spam comes in and says, hey, this bill needs to be paid or here's my resume or the information you requested. We all know the, the Apple emails, your account has been blocked, your Microsoft Outlook account and stuff like that. So if you click on this particular spam, then you and expose yourself to vulnerabilities. The same thing is, and it, it sounds ridiculous, but it's really true, and it still happens these days. Uh, people get spam. Uh, a client of ours uh, was twice on my public speeches, and she called me two days ago, and she said, uh, I'm going to the CVS, and I'm buying credit cards right now uh, to pay Apple. I was like, to do what exactly? So I got this email that says my system has been breached. She clicked the number, granted the people from Apple access to the computer, and then they actually sent her to CVS to buy prepaid credit cards and pay her some ransom. And I was like, seriously, Apple will never call you to go to CVS. And so when you get spam mails and you're not aware that it is a scam, you might expose yourself to ransomware, spyware, viruses, phishing emails. So there's a lot of different kinds of harmful software. But yes, I mean, situation awareness is the key on that. Yeah. And, and a lot of companies, like even the RS has put disclaimers on their website, right? Like we would never ask you for this type of information. So if right. someone asks you, you shouldn't be answering. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously we can't be accessing all those websites and informing ourselves um, of that. So then that's when, like you mentioned, common sense would kick in and be like, well, do you really need to give all this information that people are asking at all times, right? And right. not being so impulsive in answering whatever question is being asked and things like that. So common sense, guys, that's really key, uh, which is hard to teach people, right? I guess that's why it's so difficult for businesses, you know, to in, to really like teach their employees and, and, and how to really protect themselves. And that's why it keeps happening. So we need to understand this more, guys. We really need to get this conversation started and talk more about it. So Stefan does such an important job out there, really spreading the word and doing all of the speeches that he does. And understanding is going to help us to be more aware and hopefully have the common sense at the right time, in the right place, right? Not to, to take the wrong action. So is there a difference between virus and malware, for instance? Um, yes, a virus uh, in most of the times is something that affects your computer. It might delete files, encrypt files, uh, um, just spy on you. And, and malware is, is a different breed. So the new software uh, protection from whatever antivirus vendors, most of them in the professional version compared to the free version, including malware scans already. And um, malware itself is usually spying on you, your behavior, what you're doing, browsing behavior. And uh, a virus is usually, as it says, something more harmful to your system. I see. So uh, malware is going to stay there unless it, get, it gets removed once right. it's entered in a way. Okay. And what is ransomware? Like we heard on the news recently in Florida, there was another ransomware. 
So right. for people that don't know what that means, it's a new term, I guess, that comes with um, the challenges of technology. And I mean, ransomware is around for uh, a long time already, uh, just not as successful as it is right now. So I will not name the number one successful ransomware hacker group because I don't want to promote them. But ransomware, what it does is um, it finds a way into your system. The recent attacks all over the world have been coming from cloud storage. So people were saying like, oh, let's move everything to the cloud. And in this case, the cloud got hacked and um, spread over the cloud. And so uh, thousands of companies have been affected. So ransomware gets into your system, encrypts everything, and leaves you one document that says, basically, we have your software. It's all encrypted. You want to have your data back. Um, then send us money via Bitcoin or other ways, and we give you a key to decrypt your software. So on one end, yes, uh, they are honest crooks. They will give you the key to get your data back for one particular reason. You will spread the word that you get your data back, and so the bad guys look legit and they want more money, so more people are willing to pay. We work with law enforcement on these kind of cases, and it's highly not recommended to pay because A, you don't know where the people are, and B, if you pay ransom, then it might be going to be used for terrorism in the back end. So you don't want to fund terrorists uh, with money. So the best case scenario is having IT corporations, securing your data, having offline data, backups. Most of the people don't really care about the infrastructure. They go on Craigslist, get a guy that is not certified, not verified, let them do whatever it is, as long as it's cheap. And then once stuff happened, everybody is basically panicking and people pay because they have invested in the wrong person to secure the infrastructure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a difficult situation then. And, and so the best way really is to do the preventive work, right? Right. And, and to it's have, like your house. You, you can best have the best alarm system in the world. If you leave the door open, it's useless. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> is that simply put or what, guys? <laughs> but yeah, but how much does it cost for a company to implement data protection? I would say it depends on the size of the company. Let's say you want to start with the basics, what I tell people all the time. Um, you need to have a firewall. A firewall needs to be always up to date and have a subscription model. It's called unified threat management. So the you pay amount X per year, depending on how many users you have and uh, the speed, etc. But let's evaluate $1,000 for the firewall and $300 to $400 a year. So then I always recommend to have an active, up-to-date subscription for, with a professional antivirus because a professional antivirus does five to six things at the same time. The free one does only one thing. It's passive scanning your system. So if you're already infected, then it's already too late. Um, and then obviously enforce very strict policies that cost you nothing. If somebody works in your corporation or as a corporate device that he takes home, it's used for corporate business only. It's not for you to read your Gmail, browsing, playing games online, whatever. So have straight, uh, straight and strict policies and implement passwords that are very secure and have them change on, on a periodic basis and make sure that people do not talk about their passwords and their usernames to other people. So a lot of time is also education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Stefan, I know that you are you were nominated the the Man of the Year by the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and that you're heavily involved with cancer and with children and fighting. Um, and are there any nonprofit organizations that can help with cybersecurity that you're aware of? Um, I'm not aware of them. I I do know that most of the uh, corporations we don't donate to. Um, they, they have IT staff and a lot of IT corporations like I do help nonprofit corporations to secure their environment. So our services is not of charge, but of course the equipment uh, they have to purchase themselves. But uh, I don't think there is a nonprofit cybersecurity organization. Okay. And is there, obviously, if you have Windows or Mac, then the firewall would be different for this, uh, for these. Um, no, it is not based on platform. It's based on on, on data. So there's there's it's too technical, but um, based on it's called an OSI model. So data comes in on layer two or layer three. That's what it's called. And uh, so the data needs to be scanned on a networking level, and maybe later on an application level when you see what you do. But the firewall itself is supposed to be blocking threats from outside. If somebody from Eastern Europe tries to hack your firewall and the IP address is already known to the security provider will block it. Or if somebody sends you an email attachment and you have content filtering and the virus in this email is already known, the firewall will take it out. So 
uh, it doesn't really matter. It's, ba- it's based on signatures. I guess the reason why I'm going there is because we've heard in the past that Apple computers are safe, more safe, I guess. Is that like a myth or what? Um, if, if it would be the case, uh, why, why does corporations invest money to create antivirus for, for Apple? Apple is, if you could look at the global amount of computers, right? Microsoft probably owns 95% of the global market of computers. Mm-hmm. So if you would be after money and you plan to rent some virus, would you go after 5% or after 90 or 95? <laughs> so uh, you go after the big boys. If you just, uh, my grandfather used to say every day a dumb person gets up, you just have to find them. So if you go by the 95% and you hope that one person clicks on your virus, then it's a big 95% if you only go after 5%. So, but Apple does have viruses. We have uh, uh, quite some, some calls with people that had infected computers over the last 10 years, so it does exist. All right. Um, so jumping to something different now, um, I want to talk about pseudominization. Um, mm-hmm. What would pseudominization do to your business? Um, it was it was implemented, or it came a little bit, I think, from Europe, from the GDPR, because uh, we need to understand in, in the beginning that uh, Europe is probably 20 years ahead of the United States when it comes to data protection. So the United States laws, I think, from 1978, and of course, our technology hasn't changed at all. Of course it did, but uh, we just too slow to catch up back to, to what I said, it's not broken, don't fix it. And so pseudonymization, there's anonymization, which basically means you hide everything. Pseudonymization is you take out out of a chain of information, certain certain information to not uh, be able to create a pattern of a person to, 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 to remove the likelihood of identifying information. So for my corporation, it just means that we, we do our living best to bring up corporations to, to new technology standards. In Europe, uh, my, my offices in Europe, they, they work very closely with all the corporations and they're all up to pair because it's enforced by law. In the United States, we don't have a law. We have compliances and the compliances are usually not enforced. If you have customer's information, you have to have either PCI or HIPAA compliance and this kind of stuff. It's there, but honestly, nobody really cares about it. So it's really sad because um, loss of data costs billions of dollars every year. Yeah, and just imagine all the harmful uh effects that it has on people's lives right and that's that's really crazy to hear all of that and especially what i love is that you do business in so many different countries so you're aware of the differences between europe and in us and that brings another perspective you know to us listening here Um, why should businesses and business owners worry about information security then in the us if it's not enforced by law but it's Um, a compliance issue I always answer this question in two ways. When I ask, because every business owner is also a private person, right? So when I ask them, uh, do you have any information that, a simple thing like people don't have a privacy screen. They work in public, they're corporate owners, but they don't have a privacy screen. So when I ask them, they said, I have nothing to hide. And my answer to that is nothing to hide in dates of uh, times of cybersecurity is like have nothing to say in times of freedom of speech. So the people that handle their own infrastructure like I have nothing to, to hide, go to work with the same mindset, and then it's when, when, when stuff like this happens that people get hacked. And I think businesses should be aware that even if it's not enforced, you have something to lose. And if you look at the worst case scenario, I'm not, if, I'm, if I'm a crazy person, I'm not even after your money. Maybe you're a CEO of a company, and if you're, you have a beautiful daughter, she's on Facebook, she's not aware on her Facebook and Instagram profile that I can create a blueprint and stalk her and kidnap her. Has happened. People have been murdered, kidnapped, ransomed. So uh, people should be very aware of what information they put out there and protect them. If I have, think about if I have your, your first name, last name, and your social, what can I do with this? I can ruin your credit score. I can create identifications on your name, etc. So people should be more aware. Yeah, so we're talking about identity fraud also. Right. So, for instance, if, if a credit card is cloned, let's say, you know, you go to a gas station and you're there just purchasing whatever, and out of a sudden your credit card is cloned. We hear it all the time. What can you do to protect yourself from it other than just monitor? And So, I mean, the first thing is, and that's very hard for the individual, uh, a credit card machine uh, the fakes of these credit card swiping machine, 
uh, are very, very good. If, you, if you're not aware and which the regular individual does not know how the original machine and the copy looks and the differences, how differentiate it, it's very hard and almost impossible. What I educate people on is if you don't need the three-digit code in the back of your card, write it down and memorize it because you only need it for online purchases. So put a whiteout on and just write it out or write it down somewhere. And then never sign a credit card because if I pay with a credit card that is not signed, I write in the bank, ask for ID. And technically they have to ask for ID. If they don't ask for ID, sure, it might not protect you from your credit card being abused, but it protects you from people knowing how your signature looks. Mm-hmm. And um, so a signature is easy to, to, um, to copy. And I always give this example of a gas station. So people have always on a gas station cameras and in differences uh, focusing on the cashier system. So if they have a high resolution camera, they can zoom in, they can make a still pause picture and they can see your signature. So now I have your credit card number, I know your signature, I have your zip code if you have to type it in or give information at the gas station. So there's a lot of information how I can steal it. So you can make it impossible, but you can make it harder. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, and when it comes to giving out like our information, right? Um, what are our, our rights with that? Like, do we have to be giving out our personal information when we're filling out forms, uh, hearing about like how would we protect ourselves from that? You technically don't have to, which is the interesting thing. I give you a couple of examples. If you check into a hotel, the hotel will make a copy of your ID. It's illegal. They're not, they're not the U.S. government. They're not allowed to make copies. Because when you ask them why you make a copy, they say, oh, it's a hotel policy. It's a policy. It's not a law. So they can, a hotel cannot refuse you access to a hotel. You can show identification, which is required. And that's it. They're not allowed to make copies of American Express credit cards anyways. And they have to, they cannot store physical paper copies neither when it comes to PCI compliance. Even each location where you check in as an hotel, they have to give you a compliance sheet that shows that our servers are safe, we store the data, everybody's educated, most of the hotels don't have that. Um, the same thing is when you go to, uh, let's say I do shoulder surfing, which is a technique that basically means I listen. I'm behind you at a T-Mobile store. And they ask you very openly, what is your phone number, the password on your account, the last four digits on your social? And all I need to do is listen. And people blur it out right away. They say the entire social. So think about it. Creatures of habit, people use the same password for everything. I can, if I'm lucky, I just go to tmobile.com, type your phone number, the password, and I'm be able to log on if you don't have two-step verification. So always give out the minimum of information that is needed. If somebody asks for your social, you type them in your phone and you say, please do not read out what I'm showing you right now. You show it to them and you don't write it on paper or anywhere else because it's confidential data. And if people want to take a copy of your passport, why? There is no need for it. And so inform yourself first before you give information out. I tell people only give out as much as you need. If you go into the New York City subway, whatever you want to give a random stranger on the subway and you feel comfortable with, this is what you share. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I love that. These are really practical and great tips for us um, to be aware of. And going back to how to protect our businesses, how does the firewalls work and what do they do? You know, and is there a what is the difference actually between a personal firewall and a dedicated boundary firewall? I would say first of the price and what it does. So um, if you have a personal firewall, most of the firewalls that you can have are actually built in into your home router and uh, it's a button you click and that's the software that is running. And it, it usually works based on certain patterns. If you, for example, buy a firewall from a named company equal like Cisco, Barracuda, whatever, um, these firewalls cost way more money. They, they have different ways to set up. You can have every single data traffic. You can say, I want to block websites, applications like Facebook, Instagram. You can say, scan my, my traffic, like my entire data traffic, scan it for viruses incoming and outcoming for my emails, check my emails for spam. And uh, these firewalls connect to a cloud of thousands and thousands of firewalls. And if there's a threat somewhere, uh, that has been reported already, then the virus and the spam signatures, so the, the information it receives is going to be updated. And these updates being deployed to all these firewalls, so they always have the latest status quo of all the threats. So it's easier to, to find uh, bad or software compared to like a home firewall, which is built into your router that you can buy for $50. 
Okay, so guys, if you haven't listened to the interview with Jamie Gilligan and George Diaz, uh, we talked about scaling your business and automating your business. And one of the questions that we covered was, how do you know when you're ready to scale your business, right? So if you haven't listened, go back to that episode and listen to it. But I would ask Stefan the same question. How does a business know uh, when they need to upgrade it to a more sophisticated firewall? I would say uh, in the tech world, and it, just if you buy a simple computer, the moment you walk out of a store, your technology is old. So if your firewall is usually three years old, if you buy a firewall, it's only warranted up to three years. And then every time you buy a new license every year, you also get a hardware warranty. Most of the companies say three years. So, and then if you see that your, your provider discontinues your model, then there's a reason for it because technology is fast advancing. So I say um, three to maximum five years, that's it. But I think a firewall after three years is old. That's my personal opinion only. And for data security, I know it's important to ensure appropriate access control, but is there something else we could be doing? Um, I would say the first part is we did a project in, in Manhattan and people had RFID cards, which are identity cards. So when you swipe them, you see the face. And I was walking into the building as a non-person in the building with a card of a woman. The face of the woman popped up on the screen and nobody was paying attention. So uh, back to situational awareness, the, the most important part is pay attention to what you're doing, situational awareness. You can have the best antivirus, you know, the best firewall. Um, if people don't obey the rules and put a memory stick in their font in the subway because it says Brad Pitt nude on it, um, you're not supposed to do that. So if you do it and your USB ports are not blocked by your administrator, you might get infect your system. So a lot of times is the do's and don't do's needs to be enforced. And you need to make sure that the IT contractor that you actually hire, do your research. I always tell people like only by watching ER on TV, you're not going to do a heart transplant on yourself. So if you <laughs> want to have an IT contractor, you're going to look up their reputation. Like we are listed on a Microsoft website. We are listed on Avast website, on Cisco website. So that means a company that invests money and certification and knowledge in their employees is also reputable enough to do the job for you. You know, and quality costs money. It is what it is. You pay knowledge. Yeah, it's true. I wrote a blog about that and it had to, I was, uh, you know, talking about the difference between explicit knowledge and technical knowledge, right? Because you can go out there and buy any book and like you said, you can you can read about becoming a heart surgeon, but mm -hmm. you know he he won't know all of the things what to do in different situations unless he has the experience, right? And that's right. when and that's what you pay you get what you pay for at the end of the day, right? right? Um, so bringing it back to businesses, when it comes to websites, what should business owners do to ensure security? That's a very good question. And it's a very important question because a lot of times people do not pay attention to their website. So because also it's a financial part. Um, interestingly enough, people hire in general, smaller companies, small businesses, hire a website guy. The guy makes a website uh, for amount X and then the website is up, customer happy, guy gets paid separate ways, that's it. And, but what, what the client doesn't understand is in order to have a website, you have to have something that's like plugins, add-ons. So these been permanently updated because there might be a bad programming code. And so uh, people rarely log into, let's say you have WordPress, you log into and you see like, oh, you have 49 updates on your website, you should install them. So when people scan and you can use certain programs and websites to scan vulnerabilities on websites, and I see that your plugins are outdated, this is where I can actually start attacking. And now think about you have a legit business and tomorrow I take your, your website add-on and I hack it and I reroute it to my website. So, uh, and I clone my website with, with a similar looking page. And then people think they order a product from your corporation, but they're basically going to a phony website and the charges to their credit card goes to our bank account. So uh, redirection is, is very thing. Code insurgent, they steal your database. If you have a thousand uh, clients a day purchasing stuff from you, um, these information, first name, last name, address, email address, uh, all these information are valuable information. So stealing that because your website wasn't updated is, is really bad. So keep the website up to date. Guys, so that is it. That is the one single most important thing that you can do to keep your website secure is to keep it updated. So that shouldn't be too hard to do, right? <laughs> yes, just um, hire someone to keep those updates uh, happening for sure. Thanks for joining us today. 
to join our free Facebook group and access the links and resources mentioned in the shows and much more, go to www.sabrina-gagnon.com. That is G-A-G-N-O-N. You will become a member of a private Facebook group dedicated to providing the best practices, skills, and strategies to grow your business. And remember, we all have natural advantages that comes from our instinctive power. You are perfectly created to accomplish so much. Let's challenge the status quo and create a business and life you love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.